0: And welcome, everybody, to my independence report. My name is Kevin McDonald, and have I got a treat for you, I think. We'll see when we get into this and, and, <laughs> and so forth. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, Um, and this this show is going to be why, by way of education because I know nothing about the topic that we're going to be talking about. Um, but the gentleman that I have, I am told, is an expert in the field and is very well known uh, for what he does, his name is Orpheus Black, and he is with us uh, all the way. Orpheus, where are you calling from, by the way? Valencia, California. Ah, so same time zone. He's in California, and uh, <laughs> so so. First of all, I got to ask you uh, now. Orpheus is not your given name, uh, but you. Orpheus is not. No, but you've <laughs> you've chosen you've chosen that. Um, what is what led you to? choosing Orpheus Black and what is it that I, I feel like you remember that old game show it's like what's my line yeah I feel like saying okay Orpheus what's my li- what's your line and uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> okay
1: I, I, I guess the question is where did I get the name from all
0: right and that's the first one yes
1: followed by the second one which will be and what do you do thank you um I got the name Orpheus Black because uh I used to be an entertainer I was at rap music And uh, I used to write under the pen name that I used to use back in the days. I'm not gonna mention that name, but when I stopped and I gave it up, I started doing spoken word and I needed a a non deplume to uh, write under. And I started with the name Orpheus. And then I made my way into the adult genre and you have to have a last name or there'll be 50 million people with your same name kind of biting your fame. And so one producer said, uh, what name do we put on the box? I said Orpheus, and they're like, "You need a last name." And I'm like, "I don't know what to use." And they said, "All right, Black," and they just <laughs> threw it out there. And that's how the name Orpheus Black got. And uh, I've had it over 30 years. You know, I've been I've been called Orpheus for over 30 years, and I'm only 45. So wow. for the better part of my, uh, I'm sorry, 46. So for the better part of my existence, I've been Orpheus.
0: Wow. And you were an entertainer, and you were a uh, uh, rap artist. I, and no. how have you morphed that into what you're doing now?
1: You know, all of it is performative. And what you're doing is you're turning aspects of yourself up. So when you're doing rap music, what you're doing is you're turning up a specific aspect of who you are and depictions of the environment in which you exist in. When you move over into, say, adult entertainment, you're turning up the private parts of your life, who you are in the bedroom who you are in intimate situations you're turning it up and you're talking about the environment existing environment even creating spaces around you that help you be this person uh or that person in that space so for me um that's really all i'm doing it's the same motif just different aspects of my life and identity
0: and different aspects of of who you who you are and, and and stuff so it's interesting you you mentioned uh the adult industry and you've you've morphed into being in the adult adult industry if you were to describe yourself in that genre what would you how would you describe yourself
1: yeah i was a uh, BDSM kink and fetish performer so i'm the one that ties up the girls spanks the girls flogs the girls fire knives anything that, that required a skill set uh that you wouldn't want just your average performer to do, that's what I did on camera. So, you want someone choked, you want someone uh, use erotic knife, you want somebody to use erotic fire, you want someone heavily restrained, you want someone paddled. Uh, I do all those really high, crazy, crazy things because of the skill set I've developed over a period of time as a performer.
0: Now, would you can kind of consider yourself a, um, um, a stuntman? somebody that, that's real gifted at what you do so that you can do these things without uh, causing a, a permanent damage or pain?
1: No, I would consider myself more of a performance artist. Okay. Um, you know, when I came into this, I came in as a professional right off the bat, meaning um, I didn't know that people did kink and fetish in their homes. I didn't know that they did this with their wives. Uh, I came into a club in Hollywood via a friend of mine and happened to walk in and they were doing the craziest stuff. They were whipping women and 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 spanking guys and cross-dressing and playing with sexuality in a performative space on stage under lights in front of an audience and I was dying to be in front of an <laughs> audience again. I was dying to be on a stage and I've always been a very sexual person. So it was like my dream to be able to combine my love for intimacy, intimate conversation, intimate interactions with a performative narrative and combining those two. And over uh, the period of five years, uh, let's say I was uh, mentored in how to do a lot of these things. And uh, because of that, that gave me an edge in uh, doing BDSM on camera uh, for King.com. Dungeon Core, um, Playboy TV, uh, so on and so forth.
0: So you've been so you've been really quite successful at doing what you're doing, and it, yeah, which is which is um, awesome. So you've been you've been on TV, you've been on uh, 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 and made a bunch of movies, I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, I've made a bunch of movies, and I've actually parlayed. You know, I walked away from the industry, um, maybe ten years ago. Eh, less than that. Maybe five years ago, I walked away from the industry because it wasn't fulfilling anymore. You know what I mean? Like, you you go on television, you wind up doing the same shows, talking to the same people, doing the same thing. What I wanted to do was work with people who want to explore their sexuality in a way that was no longer conventional, that was not, let's say, um, they got stuck in a rut. And I wanted to help them explore it safely. I have the skill set that, uh, that I've developed over years to be able to do this. I have uh, a proven track record and I'm like, and I love working with people. So like, let's start dealing with the mom and pops. Let's start dealing with the new couples. Let's talk to the person who has social awkwardness uh, around women or around men. And that's really uh, my bread and butter right now is just coaching uh, people and how to explore themselves in their sexuality authentically when you talk
0: about um, um um some of the things that you do first of all i'd have to tell you that uh um coriel had me take the quiz you know you, are you familiar with the quiz yeah. that we're
1: talking about yes i am yes i am the Roddy blueprint quiz
0: the, exactly i my, my kink came out as a zero so ah. so you're, you're talking to somebody that has no real earthly idea of what it is that we're talking about, and I, I have some idea that involves whips and chains and, and, and spankings and that kind of stuff, but I, I am curious to know, because some people will say, now, who would really want to do that? But it's bigger than we might think it is in the privacy of one's own home.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. What people... People have this idea that BDSM and kink are the same thing. They're not. Kink is an umbrella term that houses many things like bondage, discipline, sadism, masochism. That's one aspect of kink, right? There's fetish, right? There's um, exhibitionism. There is group sex. See what people fail to understand is kink is any deviation from what you think is normal sexual practice. So whatever you think your neighbors and your family members are doing in the bedroom, anything that you think you're doing that is not what they're doing is kink. Aha.
0: So if right? so if you are if you're the type of person that um the missionary position is is wild and crazy for you, then mm-hmm. then anything other than that would be considered kink.
1: Correct. Right. Correct. Look at the Victorian times. If a woman were to get on top of you, which is called hair uh it's called the hair tint, if they were to get on top of you and their hair drapes over you, that was kinky. No woman is supposed to be in a superior position over a man. That is Oh, my God, you're pushing the envelope. Now that's normal. Oh, yeah. That's normal, right? But back then, that was kinky, right? To spank your partner, right? In the throes of passion to grace your hand upon her buttocks as, you know, the the Shakespearean, I'm sorry, the Victorian era. That was, oh, my God, that is terrible. Now it's pretty normal, right? Yeah. It's any deviation from what you think is kinky. I mean, it, it, what you think is normal is kinky so if you think your 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 brother your cousins or whatever are just doing missionary if you're doing doggy style you're kinky buddy <laughs> by your own definition because yes what you think everybody else is doing so now I would ask you what do you do that's kinky
0: are you are you asking me personally
1: <laughs> I, i'm gonna I'm gonna ask you personally but I'm asking your audience and I'm asking you oh, yeah. and I'm asking you know rhetorically but if you like to chime in, and if you think about what you think is normal versus what you do that you don't think everybody does, you can start seeing that there is some things that you may think are kinky
0: oh absolutely' I, I'm, I'm, and I'm sure that's the case in almost everyone's life that when because the way you're describing it, what kink is then is something that makes you kind of super aroused something that's mm-hmm. not not a normal thing that you might do like like you know you have a playbook when you when you go make love to somebody and you've got why well, you do this and then you've got this and then you do that and then this is something that's out of that playbook that's not there exactly that exactly. is something new and exactly. that and that can get you a heightened sense of uh, anticipation see i'm i'm an energetic so anticipation is a big part of my deal i guess uh, right. according to according to uh so um now the que- so the question i have for you is um sex and well not, not, um um kink and stuff like let's, let's take some. like i'm having trouble here so so bear with me <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why that's why my kink was zero I'm having right? <laughs> So we're going to change that. Your <laughs> cake is going to
1: be up in charge when I get done.
0: <laughs> that's that's this. Corey also the same thing. I'm a little nervous about that. But but okay. So let's talk about uh, um, your couple. Yeah. And um, well, first of all, it's how does the subject of <laughs> between two people? How does the subject when you're talking about sex? How does the subject come up of I like to be spanked? How where does that even come up in the conversation?
1: Well, you know what's interesting, in most cases, the subject doesn't come up. What happens is, let's say we're in a, a, a position where I'm in, on the back end and the person's bent over, often called doggy style, and I want to spank my partner, what happens is you kind of let your hand kind of precariously drop down onto her buttocks. <laughs> you know, he's like, that's how most people talk about spanking. And if there's no protest, you might do the other side. You know, so there's not a conversation about it until after it's transpired. And unfortunately, that is the wrong way to do it, right? What should happen is a person should say, Hey, you know what? I'm really interested in possibly spanking you. And the next question from the next person should be, What does that mean to you? What what does that mean to you? I need to have an accurate expectation because we both have an idea as to what spanking is, but we need to come to some consensus, right? In order to make this a reality. That's why as a Buddhist, we always talk about consensus reality. So for me, I would say, well, it means me kind of, you know, spanking your butt. I like the red. I like the warmth that comes on it. uh, So on and so forth. And A person might say, good, because I I was spanked as a child, and I was black and blue, and that doesn't interest me at all. You say, well, you know what, that's not what I'm interested in. What I'm interested in is an erotic kind of gripping and handling, And, and so this is how the discussion should happen, right? You come to some kind of consensus, a middle ground, so that a person can feel a part of, like, I'm allowing this to happen, and I'm trying to see how and process the other person is like, I'm getting the experience, but I'm also aware that my partner is processing. They're 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 trying to find themselves in that place. When you have the synergy and both people come together, you can drop in. It usually happens the next time you do it after the experimentation. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, now, there are people
0: that like to be spanked. I'm, yes. I'm And what is it that they have an association with pain as far as sex goes, or is it uh, is pain even an equation that's involved
1: you know most uh, first of all let's let's talk about this um, pain is not necessarily what we make it out to be pain is a spectrum of sensation right pain is any anything uh, that you that may make you feel a little discomfort that's why we can have emotional psychological and physical pain it comes in many different forms and everybody's pain, tolerance their tolerance for discomfort is different right so let's think when we change it like that it becomes a little different so we can start playing with discomfort playing with discomfort some people sexualize discomfort that's why we have bondage right that's why we have people who lock themselves down because they sexualize discomfort now to what degree is up to each individual does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Some people could take a little more discomfort than someone else can. My thing as a professional is to work within that spectrum to understand that there is both pain. I'm sorry, there's both pleasure, which is a sensation, and, and a degree of uh, sensation, and what you would interpret as pain. And everybody's is different. So how can I best play with that to make you, to turn you on? Gotcha.
0: Because everybody, when you're da- talking about the the, the um, threshold of experiences or the, the physical experiences, that it can it can be, one can be appear to be one thing, but it's actually another. Is that is that?
1: That is correct. That is correct. And think about like you know uh, um, if you've ever put a a, person, a partner, in a, a really awkward sexual position, they like it, but they're uncomfortable. Maybe their knees are pushed back, you know, onto the bed, you know, by their ears. You know, I mean, their ankles are pushed back by their ears, and you're like getting in a place, and that's discomfort. That's uncomfortable, but they're still enjoying the situation. Yeah, people wouldn't say, say that that's pain, but had it not been a sexual position, you wouldn't want to be in it. Right, <laughs>
0: you right. Know but what there's, I mean? there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on there at the at the same time that her her uh, uh, knees are by her ears. Exactly. Because it it provides a whole different uh, uh, dynamic of of how she's feeling, what you're doing and and what parts are affected and all that kind of thing.
1: Exactly. And so spanking is the same thing. Right. There's a whole lot of stuff going on there. When I take my hand, let's say it's not sexual. This is a preparatory. Let's say preparatory spanking. Uh, The person is bent over there's usually a situation or a circumstance that put them into that situation. They either wanted it or they were bad. There's a role play maybe, you know, we're doing some discipline. So the psychological's in case, they bend over into the position. This has a hierarchy to it. This person is below me physically. And so now there's a little emotional thing about being in this position. Then there's the physical. I take my hand and I hit her butt. That vibration goes through the nerves. Uh, and actually hits the clitoral band, stimulating the clitoral band, right? So the clitoris is actually, looks like a figure eight underneath, underneath that little nub. And so the spanking, when done right, stimulates the clitoral band, stimulates the vaginal canals, stimulates the anal tract, right? And so you're doing this whole thing in an effort to stimulate, to, to get this person active, activate their senses. So not only their mind, their emotions, but their body.
0: So it's not as it would seem, because it no, is right. way different than that.
1: It is because what you see is sensationalism. Right. What we see, what we see uh, in kink.com, what we see in in hardcore porn is sensationalism. We're seeing masochism and sadism because it is sensational. It's like watching a car accident. When you see, you don't want to see people who do it every day because it's not the same thing it's usually very sensual, very erotic. It's deeply connecting because two people are having an experience together. And psychologically, we know that two people going through the same experience have a bonding around that experience. So it's much different than what you is portrayed on television or uh, on the internet, on Pornhub. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and really, and I want to talk
0: to you a bit about that because you've been involved in the industry and you've been, around people and and uh and in the porn industry and stuff i'm assuming mm-hmm. that's that's correct yes. and correct. but the one question i wanted to ask you i saw a bumper sticker the other day and uh, i thought that's kind of interesting it was um, the bumper sticker said um if you're gonna ride my ass at least pull my hair um <laughs> <and> I...
1: <laughs> I love that bumper sticker
0: <laughs> so so when so when 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 Women want to have their hair pulled. What, what's psychological or what's going on there?
1: Well, there's again, there's always multiple things at work. Often what's happening is there's a control element, a person giving another person control. They, I want you to take control. I want you to physically handle me. I'm giving you permission to do this. And that is a very trusting exercise, one, right? Because I'm trusting you to, to, to restrain me using this thing. The other thing that's going on is the pull, the sensation on the scalp, women have many, uh, much more uh, nerve cells uh, and nerve uh, endings in their hair. So when you touch it, it's very stimulating, very handy, very erotic, right? This is like getting it, if you've ever had gone to a, a person that had your hair washed, you know, that's it's so much more stimulating uh, in that space. So when you do an erotic grab, when you're grabbing at the hair, It's not important to pull or yank. What it is is to engage with the hair, to caress, to fondle, to hold tight, to put pressure, because all these nerves that are attached to their body, to their head, is also cascading across their face, lips, uh, across their throat, down their spine, the uh, lower back, the pubis, uh, the the bones. uh, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, pubic bone. They're all connected, and so doing that gives you a very very a deep sense of their nervous system.
0: So that can actually be a very deep uh, physical sexual experience by having your hair pulled.
1: Correct. That is correct.
0: Oh, very, very interesting. Um, (laughs) It it really, because that is something now my, my ex-wife had long hair and never once did I pull it just because that never came into our consciousness, which is what I want to ask you next is, if you have two people that are completely different erotic signs, one is, uh, has got a little bit of kink to them, the other one is, is uh, more of an energetic or whatever, how do you as a counselor work together to get these, these people to work together to achieve a more satisfying sex life?
1: What we have to understand is that the erotic blueprints aren't categories, they're a Venn diagram. What we have to do is see where the erotic blueprints overlap and then play in those spaces, right? So again, if a person is an energetic, that means that I may do um, climax, I I may uh, come into their to their space, make them wait, I may do doing position training, I may get really close to them and say, you can't touch me, but I can touch near or around you, I might wait, make them wait for my touch. Um, You know, there's things to do that. If they're sensual, I might have all kinds of rabbit uh, fur, things that bring it up and down their body. I may do all these different things. So to me, you have to see where you overlap, where your Venn diagrams are coming together and then play in that space. Uh, but the other thing is, and this is something that we don't talk about in the erotic blueprints, which I do is there's two blueprints to every person because you have to say, am I uh, this blueprint giving or receiving? Ah. giving or receiving, uh-huh. right? I'm kinky giving, I'm sensual giving, but I'm energetic receiving. I don't like to be focused on.
0: Uh-huh. Well, because right? I, yeah, you're the, you're the one who does the focusing. You don't want you to be the focus of.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't, I don't want to be a center of attention in, in the erotic experience. That's just not my thing. I, I, I'd rather be a voyeur and watch. I'd rather be, because again, I'm energetic. I want to see, I want to watch, I want to hear, I want to engage with my senses other than touch. But when it comes to me participating and acting on other people, I would rather be spanking. I'd rather be handling, choking, uh, using the tools, doing the fire, giving the sensations. That's me being a giver. So that's why I say you have to see where you overlap. Well, isn't that part
0: of your performance art training? You like to be a performer and to perform what you're doing. Is
1: that part of that? Yeah. I I think that's probably why I gravitated to it, because I like to be an audience participant or I like to be on stage. I don't like to be in the middle. (laughs) You (laughs) know what I mean? (laughs) I couldn't be both. I I am either the person performing or the person watching. So uh,
0: is that why, and I've heard this, and I don't know whether it's true or not, and you can help me uh, uh, tell me if it's true or not, but, Very, very, very powerful men have a tendency to want to be dominated in the bedroom. Correct. So that is correct.
1: That is correct. But powerful men and powerful women. Ah. Right? Um, Now, we have to remember, too, that dominance and submission does not really... It's not the same thing as the physical sexuality. It's not not the sex. It's not the spanking. It's not this. People can be in a dominant, submissive relationship and never actually do anything physically kinky, right? Really what it's about is a person saying, I go to work every day and I'm in charge of other people's lives. I, I make big decisions. I'm powerful. I tell people what to do all day. I don't want to come home and have to do the same thing. Just tell me what you want me to do, and it'll happen. I just need to take a staycation for a moment within the parameters of my relationship. And it's mostly, and I got to be honest, it's mostly female body, and I'm going to use the word woman, women who are really in power, who go out there, and they do their thing, and they come home, and they just want to, hey, let me cook dinner, sit at your feet. you know, let me, I'm going to give my body to you. And I'm just going to feel. I'm just going to lay back and just feel what, what happens. Powerful men do the same thing. I come, I just want to come in and just want to lay back. I just want to feel, I just want to be used, held, whatever you want to do to me. Just let me let that ha- I just want to let that happen because I can't just let things happen in my everyday life. Because
0: they're denying that. They're denying that side of themselves every day because they've got to be strong. They've got to be powerful. They've got to make these decisions and they exactly. want to come home and they don't want to do any of
1: that. Exactly. It, because it's balance. People think it's something other than what it is. It's about having balance. We are both dominant and submissive individuals, right? If you work for somebody, you are not dominant at your job, right. right? You have to take orders. You have to do what you're told. And if you're resisting it, you're not going to work there very long. But do you want to go home and be told what to do there too? Not really. You want to go into a place where it's like, oh man, there's some synergy. I could, I could put that down. I can put that burden. I can let that go, and I can be this part of me here. You know
0: what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh, very much so. And it's uh, that is part of the um, adult relationship between men and women, or men and men, and women and women. That is, Mm -hmm. it's it's hard to it's hard to get people to talk about about sex and about life and stuff at that level. Because they don't really understand
1: why they are not at that level. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'll, I'll even phrase it this way. Eric Erickson talks about, uh, when he talks about the eight stages of man, um, identity versus the role. Right? We're always conf- you know always having to say, is this who I am or is this the role I play? You know what I mean? Like, I show up and I'm a lawyer. I'm playing the role of a lawyer at my at my job. I'm playing the role of a doctor. I'm in the role of this. I'm in the role of that. When do I get to be me? How yep. do I separate that? That's when you when you start thinking I'm a lawyer. No, you play the role of a lawyer. You're in the role of a doctor. It's not you. It's not you that's your role. If you if you were a psychologist and, a, and an actor came in and said, I can't get out, get my head out of this character, I'm always this character, you'd be like, You're having some identity issues right because there's a big difference between your authentic identity and the role you play and sometimes we lose ourselves being able to know when you're in charge when you're in the position of dominance and when you're in a position of submission is one of the first steps of being able to really separate those identities versus role
0: how do you know that that's what you need to do or you don't need to do anything but how do you know that that would be (laughs) an exciting thing to choose to do
1: There's a few different stages. And I'll I'll say this, most of the clients that I get are women who um, have either had children and they're in the later stages of that or their children have already left. And they're like, I've been a mom so long, I don't know who I am. I've been a wife so long, I've been in this family so long, I don't know who I am. And they're questioning, how do I separate what was the role and what was me, and how do I use that to become a more authentic version of myself? That's one of the first. It's one of the biggest areas that we see. This is where we start talking about men mid in midlife crisis. Right? Exactly. We want to start identifying. The guy buys the Porsche. You know, the stereotypical Porsche, right? Really, it's not the it's not the car. It's identifying with a lifestyle, right? It's trying to identify with this fun, fast, young free lifestyle because i've been playing the role of father husband so on and so for so long i don't know who i am and this is a quick easy way for me to identify with something else but it's still a role exactly find out who you are
0: you know what i mean who are you well and and the biggest well a lot of my friends have, have obviously gone <sighs> through that and their biggest thing is okay i've done this i've done this i've done this I'm now 40, 42, 44. Is this all there is? Is this mm-hmm. what I'm going to look forward to to the rest of my life, and then I'm going to retire, then I'm going to die, and then, and then this is it? Is this all I get? And
1: that's, that's
0: when they start going off to other stuff.
1: And this is, where, this is where I get my bread and butter because I work with these people and help them to understand who... I have to help people understand who they were so that they can be better versions of who they want to become. That's cool. You know what I mean? That's really what we're talking about. And that helps you show up in the boardroom, in the bedroom. It helps you show up for your kids. It helps you show up for your family, right? They want to see you be you and be happy with it, right? Not play a a version of you. They want to see you show up. They want you to be authentic. They want you to to know it's real. Because once you know that when the person says they love you, they know it's real. When they say you care about you, they know it's real because they know you're real
0: that is really cool you know when i when we got into this by the way i need to mention this orpheus black is my guest today and if somebody wants to get a hold of you because what Mm -hmm. you're talking about is not sex what you're talking about is life and it's Mm -hmm. a a completely different aspect of of what someone would think about wow he's a he's a spanking artist but no you are a (laughs) life coach and you're helping yes. people get through life. If somebody wants to contact you, how do they do it?
1: They go to orpheusblack.com, and you can uh, send me an email or you can hit me on any social media. A uh, Facebook is a great one. Facebook messenger. Uh, you can go to Instagram, wherever you are. I am, you look me up. Orpheus black, <laughs> and I am there. Uh, Instagram, you can do Orpheus dot black dot 12 and I'll come up. Um, yeah, or you could just go to OrpheusBlack.com and I'll be there.
0: Awesome, awesome, and uh, yeah. So a couple, th- a couple things I wanted to ask you about sure. that I've always been curious about, and that—that's the porn industry and and the people that are in the porn industry. And is it as dysfunctional as some people would have us believe it is, or is it way different than we can imagine?
1: I think if you knew how ordinary all the people were, you wouldn't be interested. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you know, because when you, the people that you show uh, have to have something that's uh, entertaining and dysfunction is just a really big part of entertainment. And so, but I know people who are, Avian Hall of Famers who, you know, they're they're walking around in footy pajamas, you know, what I mean, and you know, have the same kind of sexual issues and problems that everybody else has because they're fucking on camera, excuse my language, uh, having sex on camera, and having sex in your bedroom are two different things, you know, operating. Uh, emotionally connected is different from operating emotionally disconnected you know so it's really actually a pretty normal thing and you have bad businessmen you have good businessmen you have good people uh co-workers you have bad co-workers you know the industry chooses to focus on the negative because that's what attracts business that's what we don't care about normal we want to see abnormal I have, to,
0: I, have to say, I have to ask you a question that I've always wanted to ask somebody that was sure. aware of what the answer would be. And that is, you know, um, for a guy, having sexual arousal and, uh, and, and, and getting it up, and, and it requires a certain amount of desire for the other person. What, what if you're cast with somebody that ultimately, for whatever reason, you don't have a desire and you still have to perform? does that actually work or is that because you guys are so good at, at the the performance art of it? You
1: take a pill. Oh, (laughs) I mean, there's there's people who take a pill, inject just like anybody else, you know, there's the sometimes you put with people who you just not attracted to. Personally, I didn't do a lot of having sex on camera. It wasn't, it wasn't my thing. You know, again, I'm into tying people up in certain things, you know, choking people out, suspending them from, from high heights and, doing stuff like that that's my work but you know but you know just like anybody else you get times where you're not turned on and most people take a pill most people do an injection you know and uh most women use lube when they're not you know turned on because again but but you have to remember the excitement the newness of having sex with a new person always gets your heartbeat racing and that is the number one thing to erect uh for erection is to get your heart pumping that's why people use uh, coffee or caffeine additives to stimulate, uh, to get everything pumping, so that they can go. It, it's a vasodilator, right? People use other vasodilators and other different kinds of ways to do the same thing. But people do push-ups, jumping jacks, whatever they need to get their heart going.
0: <laughs> I'll be with you in a minute, honey. I just got to do some jumping jacks, and then then. We'll oh, be- that's really.
1: That's real. You know, and the best thing you can do to get a, a good, uh, to get the testosterone flowing is do uh, uh, squats. Oh, well, that makes sense. Squats pu- produces a lot of testro- testosterone in the body and it's really good. And, uh, you know, running, jogging, exercising, you know, coming home from a good jog or a good workout, you're always, your blood's going, your blood's pumping, you're going, uh, you're going to get a good erection or is the best erection that you're capable of prov- getting.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's good. I, I'm writing some of this stuff down, so that, that just, <laughs> just, just in case. <laughs> just in case. Um, so do you work primarily with couples or individuals?
1: I'm, I do both. So I have three categories. I work with single men, single women, or couples.
0: Who do you have the most that's fun with? You're... I'm sorry? Who do you have the most fun with? What's, what group is the most engaging single women
1: and single 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 women are are more in touch with what they need than men are because men rather be told what to do as opposed to be in control of their lives that's what being a good soldier is is taking orders and not questioning them and that's what masculinity is masculinity is an indoctrination of a uh, 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 indoctrination that we all subscribe to. It's like I've been told what a man is, and I will just go with that. I do not want to challenge this in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And so they can't get their head out of that.
0: That makes it. That, it does make it tough, especially since, since you were a little boy, you were told that this is how you're supposed to behave. This is what you're supposed to do uh, for your entire life, and then you realize that that isn't really a very comfortable or a very good place to be long term. Because it's not satisfying.
1: Yeah, and I tell guys all the time, remember masculinity is a measure, not a master. That's good. Yeah, it's important because it's a, in the same way you would measure, use a clock to measure time or a ruler to measure inches, masculinity is a measurement with which we measure the value, the things that society values in a male-bodied individual. You got to be strong, tough, go-getter, not emotional, this, that, and the other, what we're saying are you're a good soldier, right? But when it comes to being a bedroom, those things do not work. This is where we start getting toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity is being the wrong type, of measuring up in the wrong way in this situation, right? Being tough and honorary and go get it with your kid is not the right thing to do. No. When you're arguing with your wife, being goal-oriented, do this, that's toxic masculinity. On a battlefield, in a boardroom, maybe. Keep those traits. In the gym, on a football field, great. You bring those things into your relationship, it's going to ruin it. So now how do we, you, you know how to perform masculinity in those settings? How do you perform this other version of masculinity in these other sessions, in these other settings? That's what I help men understand.
0: That's got to be a very enriching work for you. It is because it is. You're, you're challenging. Yeah, you're really helping people learn how to be more understanding, more giving, more, and 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 really leading a better life, a more complete life.
1: And yeah, yeah, definitely. Most people are screwed off most of their life because they listen to what society says that you're supposed to do. I'll give you a perfect example. You you're probably old enough to remember. Uh, the movies where they all had make-out point. Oh, sure. You took a girl, picked her up, you had dinner, you went up to make-out point. Hell, I was old enough
0: to do that.
1: Right. You see what I'm saying? But you know what they don't tell you? Is now that you've driven this woman to this secluded, remote spot... If she says no, she's gonna have to walk home in heels down a road that doesn't have this. So of course she says yes, because she's caught between a rock and a hard place, right? But we've been sold that that's what you were supposed to do. That's what the cool kids did. But we didn't think about the pressure that's placed on a woman in that scenario. Like, you know, if you drove up to the Hollywood sign and she said no, and you said, get out, she's gonna risk her life trying to walk home. There was no Uber back then, right? But this was the masculine thing to do. We were lied to. That was not the right thing to do, right? So for me, shedding, helping people shed those indoctrinations are super important. You don't need that. There's a better way to do it, right? And again, that's why I ha- that's why I try and help people do. But it's also good work for me because it helps me from being a hypocrite. It, it helps me to not backslide because I receive 40 some odd years of that indoctrination. Sure. Right. It's easy to backslide back into that. Right. But the more I talk to people about it, the better of a man, in my opinion, I become.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Because, you know, because we get trapped into a belief structure that we've been told is how you operate. And until you can get out of that, and most guys never do. Uh, get mm-hmm. out of that, or a lot of guys, because they're, they're so indoctrinated into it. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they don't know what to do. How does a woman help her man get, other than, you know, make an appointment with you, which would be number one, uh, but how, do you, how does a woman help her man understand the differences between being a, 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 a blustery kind of masculine dude or a real man?
1: You know what? This is a great question. I actually have a, a book that I'm working on called Fighting for Love, where I use boxing uh, and, and MMA analogies for relationships because it's very difficult to get a man to read a relationship book. And the first thing, the first thing is, is agree on the rules of combat, right? And you'll notice that a lot of times the the uh, they're analogous to a relationship, no hitting below the belt. Right? You know what that means. If we're having a conversation, don't go and that's why you're a mama's boy. It's like, oh no, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, well, well, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, right. So so we agree. No hitting below the belt. We all know what's off limits. Let's make let's keep this clean, right? Let's make sure that when we're agreeing that there's going to be an exchange, I say, you say. I say, you say, there's going to be a back and forth. There's going to be a back and forth. This is not going to be a one directional pummeling where you're going, and another thing, (laughs) and another thing. You know what? And another, and then you wind up for the big, ah, you know (laughs) what I mean? (laughs) Oh yeah. No bringing other people in. This is me and you. This is not me, you, and now you bring in Debbie, your friend from work who wants to jump on me too. You know what I mean? There's no co-opting your shrink into, you know, believing you and now you guys are jumping on me. No. This is me and you having an exchange in this moment. Right? So agreeing on the, and these rules can be whatever you agree upon. Right? Create the rules of engagement. That's the first thing you want to do. Okay?
0: How do you keep people on track and listening because it's been my experience that a lot of times when you're having this back and forth, after Mm -hmm. you're done speaking, you're not listening to what they're saying. You're thinking about what other gem that you can throw at them next. How do you get people to sit down, relax and listen?
1: Well, first of all, I think that when you, especially when you're in a good place, I, I always say create the rules when you guys are happy and healthy, make, make sure you guys had a great afternoon or a great evening, and later on you sit down, you're gonna have this conversation, you're gonna say, you know, before we move in together, before we get married or before we get engaged, I wanna sit down and really go over the rules with you of how we're going to argue, if we're gonna have an argument. I can guarantee you, when you do argue you say, we're gonna have this argument by the rules, both of you are gonna pay attention because you wanna make sure that the other person's abiding by the rules. <laughs> It's like, ah, you're not listening. I can see you're not listening. You know what I mean? Oh, you're cutting me off. Right. And so it's not about the goal as much as it is in the beginning about trying to operate within the framework. Right? Because you can if you really want to have that gotcha, it's like, oh, you didn't you didn't you didn't listen that time. You didn't listen that time. Or I'll say, repeat it back to me. Repeat back to me what you heard. Not what I said, but what you heard. That's important. Right. That's important because I I don't need you to say it verbatim, but I really need to know that everything that you give, every bit of information is subject to interpretation and variation, right? So I need to hear what you heard. Say it back to me. And that'll let me know if you're listening and also your frame of mind in this moment.
0: Well, that's a really good little... You know, you've got a bunch of diamond nuggets that you're just throwing out there this (laughs) afternoon. (laughs) which I think is just, just friggin' wonderful, because everybody can go, yeah, yeah, you're right, that's it. Hey, I hadn't thought of that. That would, that would be something that would potentially could save my marriage.
1: Exactly. And, you know, if I, I'm going to give you one last, you know, you and your audience, one last thing, is understand that everyone is territorial. So if you wanna go into what that person feels is their man cave, their office, their space, their kitchen, and you start crapping there, they're gonna defend their space and not have a conversation with you. While it sounds like it's about the conversation, it's really about the disrespect that they feel that you came into their space and had this conversation. So for me, it's like, I would stop, let's go into a common room, like the living room, like the dining room, a place where we all get together and have this conversation so that it's not about me defending my space or feeling disrespected or Pearl Harbor in my own space.
0: And yes.
1: And you stay out of the bedroom
0: to have an argument,
1: keep it out of the bedroom, keep it out of the bedroom. I'd rather go outside and have the conversation than go into my bedroom and and put that negative energy in that space.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and if you're going to have that conversation, like I did, which was the last conversation, meaningful one I had with my ex-wife. I took mm-hmm. her out to breakfast at a restaurant.
1: Mm-hmm. That's always a cheap shot. <laughs> 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 that's, that's the one they tell you to do when, you, when you're going to break up with somebody is take them to a restaurant and have the conversation because they're less inclined to, to, to make a they use their loud voice they're are constrained by society.
0: I was a chicken shit back then. So that that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's,
1: that's, that's, that's what
0: I did cuz it because I didn't want to, I didn't want the yelling and all that stuff, you know.
1: Yeah. You know what but again, using societal pressure means that you don't have power in this uh power in relationships. So you're relying on social norms right. and societal pressures to keep them in control when the really the constraints our agreements should be the thing that constrains them from doing what it is that they do and if you respect me you respect our agreements if you respect yourself you respect our agreements if you're disrespecting it then there's something either you don't respect me or you don't respect yourself and i don't want to be with a person like that
0: exactly exactly
1: orpheus now do you work with people over the phone or do they have yes, to come? I do.
0: Okay good so no uh, i
1: do zoom calls and uh, and and uh, regular phone calls
0: which which is awesome. Orpheus Black has been our guest. Go and go to go to Facebook, go to Instagram, all those all the social media places, and you can find him there.
1: Um, do, now, do you still write rap music at all and do that stuff? No, I don't. I wrote a book, uh, which people can go on Amazon, and it's uh, called The Enzo by Orpheus Black. It's a philosophy of submission, and it's viewing submission as a lifestyle choice. As opposed to a sexual practice, and
0: it's it's called what again?
1: The Enzo. T H E next word
0: E N S O. The Enzo, and that's by Orpheus Black. And you can that th- is correct. You can go there and get that. Did you still just have music kicking around someplace
1: if somebody wants to find no. that? No, <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. I I let that go to become a father and and to to marry my beautiful wife because. Being in the studio wasn't making me enough money to have a family, so I left that.
0: You know, um, and that truly sucks. But you're still you're following your passion now, which is Yes which is really cool to see.
1: Yeah. Music or sexuality both connect with people on a primal level. So I'm still connecting with people in this way.
0: Which is, which is great. And before we go, is there anything else you'd like to tell our audience or any, any more uh, nuggets of diamonds that you've got?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, if I could give you one bit of advice, don't be afraid to question who you are and who you want to be. The, the, the really important part is to have an examined life, as Socrates said. And when we stop examining them, we're feigning ignorance for societal norm, uh, normal practices, and I don't want to be a normal person in society. I want to be me. And you are you. You're, you're and you're helping people <laughs> all the time. I think
0: I think it's obvious. Make sure you yeah. tell Coriel. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm just thoroughly impressed. I'm glad that uh, we had this conversation because you. Likewise, sir. You are the type of guy that. Um, granted, it's a little bit different because you're dealing with more physicality than than some of us in in what you do, but but your heart is gold. I can just see it in you that you care for people a great deal and you want Thank the best you, for them.
1: I do. I do. I want to change the world one relationship at a time. If you can do that, you can
0: start with mine, but you'd have to go back 15 years. So that won't, that won't work <laughs> again. <laughs>
1: yeah. People, you know, people should, you know, I'm just going to say this in, in, you know, in most of the world, uh, you pay your doctor every month, not when you get sick. Right. They, you, if You don't pay them when you're sick. Same thing should be here. People go to psychiatrists and, and therapists and get coaches after they already have a problem. They should be going to them on a regular basis as maintenance, you know, and keeping that together and making sure that your relationship stays healthy, not that you can make it healthy.
0: Right. Right. No, I, I agree with you 100%. If you can get somebody now, okay, you got me going. Just before we go, <laughs> sure. I would I would love for you to tell me how you would have gotten her, meaning my ex, to go to couples counseling. She absolutely refused. We don't need that. We're all right. We got well. We proved that we did need that, but we went, but she wasn't willing to go. How would you suggest someone in our audience? who's got that similar problem, and not a lot of us do, uh, how to get their partner involved enough to want to go?
1: Honestly, you have to ask yourself a very tough question, and most people don't want to know the answer to the question. The question is, is it that you're refusing to go to couples counseling or are you refusing to make this relationship work? Oh, yeah. You know, that's really what it's about.
0: And and you're right. <laughs> and you're right. I didn't want to know the answer to that, because you know you had a couple of kids, got a house, got stuff. It would be a real big pain in the butt to have to go get divorced and all this kind of stuff. So we just kind of let it go until it ended. Um, yeah. But so, if
1: so, do we need a coach or a lawyer? That's really that's really where we're going. Do we need a coach or do we need an arbitrator? That's what are we talking about? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much, Orpheus. You've been, you've been awesome being
1: here on the show. And I uh, look forward to doing this again. I, I hope you enjoyed yeah. it. Please have me back on. You're, you're a wonderful host. I've been interviewed by some of the best, and you're definitely up there. I really enjoyed this, and I hope that you'll have me back so we can do it again. I've got more to discuss with you than, than I, (laughs) well, (laughs) I got to write it down
0: so I don't forget it because I get tongue tied and stuff when we're talking, but, but you know, you're, you're living a life that is um, that's how the life that you want to live. And I I think that's Mm -hmm. just wonderful. And you can help people also do the same thing.
1: Yes, definitely. And And I hope hope to hear more from you, more from your audience. And uh, I look forward to, if you get calls or questions from people who want to have them answered on air, I'd love to come back and answer any questions that maybe people post, uh, post to you. And like, we can go through your audience questions. I'll I'll offer that, you know, and just answer them live on air.
0: That would be, that would be great fun. That would be great. fun. And we can do some, some of these live, uh, absolutely live and take calls and stuff. So when we, when I get that going, then a yes, I'll for sure have you back. Cause you you're a wonderful you're a wonderful counselor, and it goes you. far beyond the physical nature of it. It's it's uh, you're a wonderful counselor to help people get through some of the crap that they built up around themselves.
1: Sex is the entryway, yes. since sex is just the the way that we get into the larger issues. Because you know, sex is, when sex is when you're in sexless layers, it's really about the marriage, not the sex. You know what I mean? When you, when a person's not performing up to expectation, it's really not about the, the expectation. It's about uh, their life and how they're showing up in the rest of their world. So to, for me to fix their sex life, I often have to go into other aspects and talk about that to make them show up
0: 100%. And pretty much I'm sure that's just about everybody. It's, <laughs> I agree. It's, I it's agree. not necessarily all just about sex. It's about how you... How you take it and and uh, and stuff. So we'll do, we're gonna talk. We'll leave that on the table for another day because well, I could I could spend another hour talking to you about uh, pills and such and and yeah. yeah so, but in any event, Orpheus Black has been our guest. Please look him up on the internet and uh, Facebook and and wherever. And if you feel like he can help you, don't hesitate. He's a wonderful man, uh, and he's so he's much. he's got a heart of gold. So. Uh, take take care of him, and uh, and he can take care of you. I'm That thank I'm sure about. So, <laughs> Orpheus, thank you so much for being on the show today. I thank have you so much. really appreciated it. You too. And everybody, you have a wonderful day, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time on my Independence Hey, supporters. and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember... Take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.